big hello to Cheryl Shaw. Welcome to the show, Cheryl. It's been a couple of weeks. Missed you. Oh, thank you, Sarah. It's lovely to be back. And Dr. David Tabret, welcome to you as well. It's been a couple of weeks. I've missed you also. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, we all will. You've been sick, David, but Mm. you're getting getting over it now? Yeah, got a little frog in my throat. It's so much worse when men get sick too. (laughs) (laughs) No comment. Fair enough. Now, Cheryl, you've brought in a little collection of toys, but it's not toys for toddlers, it's toys for puppies. Yes, Sarah, I have brought in a collection because this all started last week. My puppy Avalon got a present from our cleaner. Now, How nice is that? I know, but it's a really interesting present. It's a tennis ball that has an outer covering around it, so the dog can't actually destroy the tennis ball. Not that Avalon does, but a lot of dogs do actually um, grab tennis balls, and who doesn't love a tennis ball? I mean, tennos are great. You throw (laughs) them, they chase them, they retrieve them, bring them back, Everything's happening. It's a lot of fun, both for the the owner and the dog as well. But the problem is with tennis balls, you really should take them away from the dog after they've been playing because some dogs will sit down and just chew them. They're attracted to the inside, that rubber. Mm. Some dogs are very, you know, sort of um, sensitive to different smells and they'll try and find out what's inside the tennis ball. If they are able to um, rip the the outer felt covering off and get into the tennis ball, some dogs will actually chew them. Now, David, I don't know if you've ever retrieved a tennis ball from a dog. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is when they bite them in halves, I believe that they can act like a diaphragm. They swallow particularly the big dogs like your Labradors or Golden Retriever, and that can then stop their airway. Yeah, there's a number of places they can get stuck. So Mm. you're right, up in the pharynx, at the back of the throat, over the top of the tongue. If they get stuck there, they're incredibly difficult um, and very rapid deterioration in their breathing because it will just completely obstruct the airway. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, we've got that problem with the, 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 the airway being blocked, but also some dogs um, take the felt off the tennis ball and ingest that as well. Now, I know that from my, when I'm working on dogs, I always check their teeth, not for biting, but just while I'm there having a look, just in case they need to go off to their vet. But I remove a lot of tennis ball felt from the lower jaws of dogs' teeth. Do you really? Oh. Yeah. You would be surprised. Just, the, you know, they're chewing them or they're catching yeah. the ball, and that felt gets around their, their lower teeth. So it's something just to be aware of if you've got a dog that's playing with a tennis ball regularly just to make sure there's no felt getting stuck in that teeth because oh my gosh it smells when you remove it it's quite quite gross but tennis balls are great i mean you know obviously they're interactive and they're a great thing but do remove them now other toys are really important i mean we don't want dogs to get bored because when they get bored they become destructive yeah sure and you know we want to make sure that they're not ripping up things that belong your possessions But some people give children's toys to dogs. Now, that's a real no-no because you've got, you know, eyes, bits hanging off that dogs are just going to chew and again ingest. And some things just don't pass through. So we want to avoid... And they do. I know with Gizzy the Maltese, um, every now and then he has snuck one of the kids' toys and they go for the little eyes. They rip out the little plastic eyes straight away. Yeah. And the other thing, Sarah, some dogs love the toys that are stuffed toys, whether they be dog toys or children's toys. And you can come home to a snow, you know, snow-laden room. That's what he does. It's awful. But that is really dangerous, Mm. that stuff. Sometimes it it blocks up. Do Mm. you remove that as well, David? Is that another issue for you? I've I've seen that happen. It's not that frequent because I think probably people pay attention and hopefully they don't let their dogs have access to those 
kind of toys. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And this is another thing. If you do notice a toy is damaged, to you know, definitely remove oh, yeah. it, put Pick it away, it get something new, and, you know, just make sure that you're rotating. The other thing is rope toys. Now, rope toys are just notorious for problems because they start off quite tight. You know, those strings are quite tight. But then the more the dog plays with it, they start to break down, and dogs will chew at that and actually ingest it, and that becomes a problem with the intestines. So when we, when we get bits of string... Yep. Or the the cord in in their intestine, then it creates a very special kind of problem called a linear foreign body. So rather than just say a piece of rubber going down and getting stuck, which is certainly a problem, mm. a linear foreign body, the bowel is trying to actually move it on, and so it bunches up, and it actually starts to cut through the oh. edge of the intestine. Doesn't sound good. And the difficulty is in doing surgery to remove these you actually you don't have to make one incision i've i remember once i had a cat that had a piece of string a piece of wool and we had to make five incisions into its intestine oh wow to remove the piece just just to remove one piece um, because of the way that the bowel had grabbed onto it yeah that's awful. You just got to make sure the no so no no nice toys with ropes. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's another thing. Even with your cats, just as you're saying, David, the cats also have a problem. Not just dogs. So you do need to be mindful about what toys you're giving to your pets. It's really important. Yeah, some really good advice there, Cheryl. We might go to the phones now. We've got Anne from Madawi on the line. You're having trouble with your dog. Tell Dr. David Tabret about it, Anne. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, now I've got a, a Papillon cross Foxy, and mm-hmm. um, my daughter's dog is his father. Now the, the the father is smaller than than my dog, and what's happening is my daughter's dog keeps humping him all the time. Um, they're, they're father and son, so it's a little bit weird. <laughs> but they actually, he's really getting very frustrated with it because um, my daughter's dog won't leave him alone at all. Um, it's it's very constant. Um, she's not had her dog desex, so we think maybe this is part of the problem. <laughs> so is the is the um, they're both males, but only that's one of right, them's yes. one of them's desexed. Is that right, yes. or both? My dog's desexed. Okay, that's, that's the younger one. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Uh, are your your dog's the younger one? Yes. Yes. Um, he's he's six years old, and his dad's. I think he's eight or nine. I think. Oh, okay. Um, and which dog? Which dog's doing? Da- Dad's getting amorous. Is Dad's, he? Dad's doing the worst part. Mm. <laughs> Actually, my dog has done it to him too. But mm. um, I mean, nothing's happening, of course. But uh, my dog's getting very frustrated with his father because he just won't leave him alone. So, m- most of the time, people look at that the behaviour and thinking about the sexual behaviour but it's it's more than that and it's actually used as a it's kind of a dominance behaviour and it's um, basically just trying to exert some control uh, right. into the relationship now having said that there is a there is a sex hormone influence so testosterone is a driver for that right. um, but it's a driver in the sense that it's testosterone that drives um, some of the leadership, if you like, qualities of dogs in that environment. And so desexing does tend to improve that behaviour, but in an older dog, then you may not see as much of benefit right, just right. for that behaviour. Um, I would encourage, however, that um, the older dog be desexed for the reasons of health problems and so on, 
prostate disease, things like that, testicular right. cancer. But as far as the behaviour is concerned, it might improve it a little bit, um, but maybe not as much as if you know we'd seen this originally. So on the other hand, if it is a behavioural problem, then what we need to do is, first of all, look at these times when this is happening. And if it's related to access to a resource like food or a person attention then it could be that the uh, father dog is actually using this behaviour to control the younger dog so that he can gain access to the resource, and in which case right. then we might have to separate them at that time. Right. On the other hand, um, if, if you can't identify an actual trigger, then we need to use a distracting technique, and that, again, it works best if they're separated, but being able to, when you see the behaviour, to distract them to do something else. And that could be doing, you know, following um, your lead and getting them to sit. And even if you're using food treats, that's okay just to get the behaviour to change. But if you don't use something to distract them, mm. it'll just continue. Yeah. So um, you've, got to, you've got to tackle this on the two fronts. One is certainly surgery would be beneficial, um, but you you won't be able to control it without some behaviour modification. So finding... A few different paths. Yeah, finding out what uh, what the triggers are, separating the dogs and then using some distracting behaviour training. Some really good advice there and thank you so much for the call, in. We really appreciate it. Let's go to Gary now in Swansea. Now, you're babysitting the grand pup. That's right. <laughs> well, yeah, I am. <laughs> well, don't give it too many treats. What's we'll going on? <laughs> well, we, we, we tried to feed her as, uh, as our daughter told us and with some of the food she gave us but uh, she's always been timid she's 11 and a half and uh, she's always been stressed by loud noise fireworks and that sort of thing but now you only have to see a cloud on the horizon and she starts to shiver and, and eyes are bulging and she's just terrified wow uh, Gary, and uh... i wonder if there's some some simple pre- non-prescription medication that we could dose her with when that happens what's the go so you've picked up on some really key things about this is clearly anxiety and yes. as you have you you know you've recognized some of the physical symptoms mm-hmm. however preceding the physical symptoms there are psychological effects that are happening before you even get to that point so yes. you know by the time you see those physical symptoms your dog is already down the path of having difficulty psychologically with what's what it thinks or believes is happening and the problem with things like loud noise phobias and thunderstorm phobias is that they're reinforced, okay? So every time there's a thunderstorm, it is loud and scary. And if your dog has some anxiety, then it's kind of like, well, it's, you're right to be scared because have a look what's going on. And so it's very because you can't control the thunderstorm, see? Um, if you have a dog that is like a separation anxiety, which is they're missing you and they have anxiety, then you can take steps to minimise that. But in the thunderstorm case, it becomes more difficult. So we do look at behavioural therapy. Um, but again, that, that does pre- create some problems. There are actual um, tapes of, uh, or we say tapes now, probably a, a file on your iPhone or something, that you can play that m- mimics low-frequency sounds, which are thought to be part of the trigger for this. And mm-hmm. what we do is we just expose the dog to a little bit of that sound, and when they're calm, we give them a reward. 
and then we can increase it slowly. And as soon as they start to show physical symptoms, which, as I just said, is, you know, they were already would have been through some psychological symptoms, but at least you can't see it until they start showing those bulging eyes, panting, things like that. As soon as you see that behaviour, then you back off a bit, okay? Okay. And you you might say, go back on the volume of the the sound, and then Mm -hmm. once they stay calm, then we give them a treat and so on. So that's kind of a training thing, but to help them in the training and to address your question is these dogs do need medication, um, because once they're at that point that they're showing those symptoms, it's you can't do anything in the moment. And so what you need to do is um, I would suggest speaking to your vet about some uh, medication that would reduce anxiety, and it really does help. Mm-hmm. But, again, you have to also do the training. Okay. Well, uh, I can pass this on to my daughter when I pass the, the uh, lovely little pound back. But uh, <laughs> what, meanwhile, uh, you yep. know, obviously... Uh, the behavioural thing takes time to, uh, mm. to work through and, and whether I should start it. You say there's an, uh, an app that's available that you can get um, the sound from. Yeah, look, I have to tell you, it's not one that I've researched recently, so I'd probably have to look into that. Um, and I'm sure if even if you just had, you know, you can get thunderstorm sounds on tracks and so on, you could just use something like that. But, again, it's about the volume and just giving them low exposure. Um, part of the problem you've got is that your dog is now anticipating that when it sees a cloud on the horizon. Mm. So it's, it's starting to get even more complicated. The other thing is, in the short term, is give your dog somewhere to sit and hide when they think there's a storm coming so that they feel safe. Um, rather than just having them on the lounge with you and patting them, you want to say, OK, go into this little cubby um, you know, they'll feel a lot better when they do that. There's another thing, too, that you could try, Gary. There's some products out on the market um, that help to um, control or calm dogs down. There's certain jackets and there's also caps that you can use. So sometimes that will just take a bit of the sensitivity away for your dog. It acts like a sort mm. of a bit of a, a compression around the dog, making it feel um, quite snug and, and um, like a reassurance of a hug, if you like. And okay, well, I, I rang my daughter this morning and and talked about it, and she said we bought one of those uh, jackets, yep. uh, and it didn't seem to work, so uh, it's still obviously yeah. down in the Blue Mountains where she normally lives. But it, uh, it, I, yeah. I hear what you say. That she, you know, it, it just really worries us as, as grandparents of her. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn from Taro, one about your cat. Yes, um, she's. 12 years old, her name is Panther, she is my baby girl, Um, but I think she suffers from anxiety in some sort of weird way. I had her at the vet's last year, Mm -hmm. and because she was vomiting like two or three times a day, and um, they put her on D-U-P-H-A-L-A-C syrup. Do you feel like, yep. Yeah, I had to give it to her twice a day for five days and then and in the last two to three weeks she just gets if I go out or she knows I'm going out she'll sit on my shoes or sit on my clothes and she doesn't want me to leave her mm. she's not vomiting on your shoes though is she um right next to them last night did she oh dear like me slippers no it wasn't mm. on me slippers but like she <laughs> That'd be an uncomfortable present in the morning, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Put your foot into your oh. slipper. Oh. 
really, um, she's like a guard dog because <laughs> I live in a retirement village yeah. and she hears other dogs barking and she's just, and if people knock on my door, she just, if they knock too loud, she just, she just goes, she's not normal. And yesterday she was sitting on my clothes and I was trying to go out and she wouldn't give me my bra so she scratched me. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Oh, oh my goodness! Wow. This actually, but she's my baby girl, and you love her. Mm. Oh, she loves you. Good. She doesn't want you to go anywhere. It's a, it's unusual. It's a, it's an unusual story. But I tell her when I'm going out, like the night before, if I'm going to my son's home, or yeah. I'm going to another, and she's fine with what I tell her what I'm doing. <laughs> so if I go somewhere different. She just freaks out. Well, you just lie to her she's and tell pick, her you're going somewhere she's, she's comfortable. Like she can't. Her. No. no I can't. Uh, I can't Lynn and Panther, they they have an honest relationship, no, Sarah. No, I respect that. I'm so, sorry I made such a silly suggestion. It's so funny, but she's the best, the best, you know, she'll sleep. If I put my hair up in a... You know, in a tie thing, she'll sit on the back of the lounge and try and pull it out. Oh, it's beautiful. Or, yeah, she's just, she's just her. You know, I know her and she knows mm. me. But and you're, wor- you're worried about the, the her behaviour at the moment, yes. that it's getting a bit too much? Well, yeah. She was at the vet last year and yeah. they said she had to get three, or, three teeth removed and I can't afford the $900 because mm. of, um, being on a pension, but she eats really well. And when, you know, and I've just given her, she loves raw, raw mints and I've just given her raw steak before and normal cat food and in the last probably the last four weeks she started to drink milk again so, so it's yeah it's funny milk. isn't it yeah cats her own whiskers milk she's just she it's her home i just live here and pay the bills <laughs> <laughs> you're you're there with her um cat cat behavior is a whole nother thing i mean it's cats i think um certainly don't read the rule book and your cat has a very strong bonded relationship with you. Uh, a lot of people actually talk about cats as being these solitary creatures, and that's not actually true. They are social, but their interactions in that social environment are quite different to what we see with dogs. So a lot of the behaviour that you've talked about um, is not unheard of, but I think when it becomes a bit debilitating to Panther or even to you, then it is something that needs to be addressed. And there's probably different elements of what's going on, whether it's diet-related. I mean, teeth could play a role for sure. Um, and a lot of this is also the fact that, you know, you two spend a lot of time together and so, you know, her kind of behaviour just says, I'm part of this, uh, This well, I was going to say mob of cats. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. But, but it's they are, they're very bonded... And I would just have concerns around how you're managing that. And I think that it needs to be, maybe maybe the secret is you're just telling her what to do. And I think what happens there is that you're actually changing your behaviour that communicates a bit more clearly with her and she's picking up on that. I'm not, I'm not really saying that she understands, but she would see... Yeah. you know how you Lynn... have rituals when you're going to certain places yes exactly mm. exactly she'd see exactly how lynn's behaving and going oh okay now i'm comfortable i so. thought she might have been a feminist and she wasn't burning the bras she was clawing the bras <laughs> oh yeah I, i've never heard that before 
That's, we're going that's to go. Different. We're going to go to Ben now from Hawks Nest. You've got a rescue dog. Yeah, Hello, Ben. Yeah. How can David help you today? Uh, I just got this dog. Well, we've had him for six months or something now from the rescue thing. Yep. He's two-year-old American Staffy, and he's just petrified of noise. Any loud noise of the wind. Um, if the wind slams a door, we live near an oval and the fact is a little athletic. The guy lets off the starter pistol for the kids. He runs and hides under the bed. Mm. He's just uh, bridges. If he's in the car with us and we drive over the bridge, he just tries to crawl under the seat of his car. How long did you say you've had him for? Around six months. Okay. And do you think the behaviour's getting worse or same or better? It just hasn't changed. He hasn't will not changed. leave my wife's side. If yeah. she goes to the toilet, he sits at the door, pining at the door. Like, mm. So yeah. one of the things that happens, like a lot of the a lot of the advice that we gave earlier, particularly with Gary, with his uh, dog with the storm phobia applies, is that medication's needed, um, mainly because it makes it easier to do the training. Okay, and secondly, right. then in this case, you've got a whole lot of different anxieties, some separation anxiety, you've got noise yeah. phobia, and so we could kind of say it's generalised. So these guys often need a lot more um, training, and part of the thing about doing even just basic obedience training is that it provides a set of rituals and behaviours that are rules based and that predictable for the dog, and that's very yeah. calming. On the other side, as I said about earlier about medication, but then, as Cheryl was saying, you've got things like the thunder shirts, that compression effect. You've also got uh, DAP pheromone, which is dog-appeasing pheromone, and you can spray that in the house and that actually calms them down a bit. And then my kind of third part of this is that dogs that come through rescue environments, usually there's behavioural problems. Not all, yeah. not all. Like sometimes it's, you know, people are moving or whatever. But a lot of these dogs have some sort of carryover from the fact that when they were younger, they, they either they weren't socialised properly or, or they... been mistreated. Yeah, could have been. Um, it doesn't even have to escalate to that. But it's kind of just the fact that you're now trying to mop up some of those behavioural and psychological things. So most rescue dogs have an element of... Um, extra work that's required from you as a carer to get them more comfortable in their environment. And that, that doesn't mean it's impossible. It just means no, that, no. yeah, you've got to pay attention to it. And I would say um, the uh, generalised anxiety is showing up in these different ways. I would absolutely be looking for medication to make life easier for your dog because what it does is alters the, horm the um, chemicals in the brain so that he's not as worried and, and not as upset just with the fact that, you know, there's, we're driving over the bridge. That should not upset a dog to no. that extent. Uh. So okay. I want to I try and make these guys comfortable in there. Sure, the starter pistol, that's going to make a lot of dogs go off. Fair enough. But driving over a bridge, being separated from someone... These are everyday things, and this indicates that the dog's brain isn't working well. Mm, good luck with it, Ben. It sounds like a little bit of work needed and, and some medication as well. Pete in Stockton, you've got a rag doll cat that's three years old. Yeah, mate, uh, seeing you're on psychology today with animals, <laughs> I, 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do our uh, best. Okay, mate, this cat, uh, it's a creature of habit, and mm-hmm. right as cats all are. Uh, but night time, we sit down, we uh, watch, watch the Google box, and <laughs> we let her out, and she scratches on the front screen. We let her in. She goes straight through the house, down to the back door, under the house, and back around the front again. Now, that, that, and, and she, she'll do it about four or five times uh, for what, whatever reason. And then the, the other thing, she, she jumps on the bed, she sleeps on on the end of the bed. That, that's where she won't sleep anywhere else but just on the end of the bed. Yeah. And half, half past one, she wakes us up. Now, how can we solve these issues? <laughs> Does she want to go out to the toilet at one thirty, or just...? Uh, no, I just wants to know we're still there. Right. Hmm. Um, we're having the same trouble with my cat at home. Are you? Mm. So and we we're thinking of buying another house and put the cat in that house and we'll go to another house. I um, mean, probably not a bad plan, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, look, just one thing is, for what it's worth, it's it, you could use Felloway, um, and it, uh, I can see less application in this, but it's worth a try. Um, What's Featherway? So Feliway, F-E-L-I-W-A-Y. So it's a pheromone. Similar, we were talking t- uh, about the dog one, but Feliway's been around a lot longer and it calms cats down, makes uh, their environment feel more comforting to them. And it comes as a spray or a plug-in diffuser that you put into a PowerPoint and it just releases. You can't smell it, okay? It doesn't smell like you've got tomcats in your house or anything. It's quite... You can't detect it at all, and it's a calming pheromone for cats. So that's probably one thing, and you can get that at um, pet shops and vets. And now, going through the house and then coming around the front, I think you actually answered this right from the beginning when you said that it's habit, because I'm gathering that when your cat goes through and then comes up to the front again, you have to get up and open the door. Yeah, that's it. So I... I think your cat's just got a ritual of going around and so I would probably look at trying to distract and, you know, maybe having some more sort of little bits of fresh meat or something and then um, when he comes through, get him to kind of divert away from the path and come over here and have something to eat and then yeah. that'll slow down, try and break this habit. What about just well, leaving the door ajar, David? You well, don't well, have to get up that, then. But, uh, so she just comes in and goes out and comes in and goes out. Uh, the, the <laughs> but that, that just reinforces the behaviour and then yeah. when it gets colder, yeah. you've got the door shut, the behaviour is actually stronger. Cause so it's this habit. behavioural pattern has only occurred now. We used to give her um, the tablet every every three months for the fleas mm-hmm. and, and then we gave her that stuff which is recommended by the RSPCA, just drop it on the back of her, her neck. Yep. And, and uh, made for three days, she went absolutely psycho. Uh, is that normal behaviour? Um, some cats are very sensitive to stuff that's on their skin, as in, you know how cats will sit and groom themselves all over and so on? So they're, they're pretty attuned to everything on their skin, and I find that there's nothing in them that really kind of, uh, you know, damages the skin in those products. <laughs> I do find some cats are totally fine, they don't bother, and then other cats just go, oh, I don't like it on me, get it off me, um, just because they're, they're sensitive about what it's, what's on their skin. Um, 
But as far as the one thirty a.m. thing goes, I don't have a good answer for that one. Can you put her in a crate? Just no. Well, look, no, you could, well, we could, but I we think could you'd lock be up, up in the laundry overnight. But that, that, yeah. I, I think that'd be counterproductive. Cause I think you'd be up very, five very, times very a loving, night. That'll very, upset her. Very, very loving little animal. She's she's a real con artist. I think I think that's the thing about cats. They've got us all conned. Uh, Not me. Um, (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Sort of. Uh, Ragdoll cats, though, are they generally more anxious cats? The breed. I know I'm generalising, but you know how you you get different breeds that might be susceptible to to different things. Is that? Uh, I wouldn't say so. No. I mean, we don't see them that that commonly, but. No more so than other cats. We probably have time for another call. Let's go to Marie from Cardiff. You've got a question about your cat too. Oh, uh, yeah. Hi. Hi, Dad Marie. Um, we're moving premises. Just uh, a few tips. My cat is eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other animals or just the one? No, just the one. And she's in inside at night and she goes out through the day normally. Okay. And when are you moving? Well, we don't have to move, like, um, straight away. We can do it gradually. So yes. I didn't know whether to take her over and visit for a while and then bring her back. Um, now, before that, you can do that. But before you do that, yeah. um, is there anything at the new house that's different? Like, uh, obviously the house. But as far yeah. as any, are you getting new furniture or have you got anything? Yeah. There might may, maybe some value in trying to have something that's going to be in the new house in your existing house and then okay. vice vice versa is to take something that you know whether it's um part of you know some furniture that you've got might be a throw rug or something and then have it in the new house so that when your cat goes there not everything is is kind of strange and and bizarre okay. um that's that's a first thing second thing is um, to use the absolutely, you need to use Felloway. We were just talking to Pete, and oh, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, Felloway is actually. I remember when it first came out, which is a long time ago. It was probably twenty something years ago. Um, and the way that uh, the company that marketed it talked to us was, oh, when you're moving house, this will make your cat more calm. Um, it was one of the first things they talked about. So, what you do is you actually have to use it in your existing house. Yep. So that your cat goes, oh, this is a calm place. And then when they yep. go to the new place, it's you've got some Felloway there as well, sprayed around. And then that way they yep. go from the, your house now, the new house, and they kind of smell the same. And, okay. And it's not, just, it's, it's not just a pleasant smell. It's actually a calming pheromone, which means it gets into the brain and uh-huh. just settles them down. So that's the other thing. The, and then the third thing is doing those short trips. Go over to the new house, make sure it's locked up so you, you can't run away. Let her spend a bit of time, only a short time, and then come back to your house. And then gradually over a week, you can probably get it to transition totally. But if you do it little bit by little bit, by little bit you'll, you'll have a good outcome. And it is good that Marie has the time on her side That's, as well. That yeah, that excellent. was the first question because if you kind of go, oh, we're moving tomorrow... Yeah, that's going to make it difficult. Yeah, okay. Some great questions today. That is all we have time for. Cheryl Shaw, thank you for coming in as always. Dr. Wow. David Tabret, thank you. Some, um, that went quick. Answers there. Yes. I know, didn't it? It went super-duper quick. We are having you. too much fun. Clearly. <laughs> Pet Chat, it is back, of course, uh, same time next week. 
Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>